The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are live to tape on the W2M Network for the season finale of The Kickoff. Good evening, everybody, and welcome in. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thank you for joining us. I am your host here for The Kickoff on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. Joining me, as per usual, the Skeletor to my He-Man, Brandon Biscabing. <laughs> the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. What? No, by the power of Grayskull on that one? <laughs> Stop and drop the ball. <laughs> that That's and Harry's job. And my friend, Jason Teasley. Good afternoon, Good afternoon. gentlemen. And hey, remember, <laughs> remember, Harry, today I'm producing, so I have the power, not you. You realize if you cut my mic, you cut everyone's mic. <laughs> Actually, Snap Except has for the mine. power. anywho as i mentioned this is our year end awards episode here and we've decided to kind of mix things up a little bit on the kickoff and by that i mean we are going to have pretty much the same categories that we did for our mid-season awards but rather than separating college and the nfl we're combining them these will be overall kickoff award winners for the categories of offensive and defensive player of the year rookie of the year MVP, most improved, coach, shocking moment, comeback, and overall moment of the year. Gentlemen, we have a lot to get to and a short time to do it. What do you say we get into things? Let's do it. Let's proceed. Let's start with our MVP, overall football MVP for 2017-18. Eric, I'm going to go to you first. Who do you got? Now you see... This is fine young man from a slightly deserted state, which happens to be home of an acquaintance of mine. It's a very interesting story. He was in talk for this conversation. Well-deserved. Sadly, circumstances that were out of his control robbed him of a well-deserved award. But me, being the guy that I am, being the mood that I'm in, Seeing what he really meant to his really team in the position. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Well, seeing continue. Yes, yeah, seeing what he meant to his team in the position that he put them in, leading them to success. My MVP, the one, the only pride of North Dakota State University, Carson Wentz. In spite of the fact that uh, he wasn't in the in the. Uh, on the team year-round? Well, I, in spite of that fact, yes. I'm not taking anything away from Nick Foles. I think he did admirable in Wentz's absence, continuing the momentum, improving his worth. But let's face it, Wentz did a lot of the heavy lifting to get them there. Brandon, you're up next. My MVP is, uh, or my Offensive Player of the Year, excuse me. Uh, MVP. Oh, MVP. we are doing MVP this time. First time. Sorry. 
my MVP is someone who was able to stay healthy all year in spite of seemingly every other quarterback around him getting injured and led his team to a 13-3 and record. And while they didn't have the greatest uh, finish to their season in the NFC Championship game, uh, he still came out of nowhere to be a huge success this year. My wow. MVP is Case Keenum. I'm surprised by that one. I did not think anybody was going to pick Case Keenum for this award. All right, so we have one quarterback, two quarterbacks, make it a third for yours truly. And it physically pains me to say this because I hate them so much. But when you're 40 years old and putting up the kind of numbers that this gentleman put up this year, I think it's really hard to argue that the NFL writers got it right. My 2017 football MVP is QB12, Tom Brady. Can't argue with that. No, no. I just wish, you know, less time throwing a football, more time trying to model Ugg boots and get into (laughs) terrible sequels. But, ugh. Give him another couple of years, then then he'll be doing that. Jason? A couple of years? I want it now! (laughs) Yeah, well, now that Josh McDaniels isn't going anywhere, I think you're SOL, Eric. Jason? Well, gentlemen, my MVP this year will be a non-quarterback, and I will be bucking the system and also tying it to my offensive player of the year. It is Todd Gurley. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. See, I can't, I can't be too serious. Um, no, I, no, this, 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 this seriousness act I was trying to put on lasted, what, five minutes? Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, this, we this all knew that was going to happen. Uh, yeah, so everybody grab on their life jackets. The train will be going off the rails soon. Um, no, I, I picked Todd Gurley as my MVP and as my offensive player of the year because just single-handedly, he wheeled the Rams to the playoffs. Uh, he disappeared in the playoffs. But, I mean, with he did the most with – the, the least around him, I feel, and personally I feel. And, I mean, you know, it kind of helps that I had him on two big money fantasy league teams. <laughs> but that's beside the point. That does not sway me in any way. But Yes, it does. <laughs> no, you should. <laughs> you, you, you know it does. You do not. You you respect my decision just like I respect your sir. Uh, respect my sir tag. But I feel, I feel uh, Gurley was – I mean, he was the best running back, in my opinion, in the league this year. Uh, that could be argued when I <clears throat> bring up my offense, my, my offensive rookie of the year or rookie of the year. We're just lumping them together. Um, but I feel Gurley was, if, if not for the referees helping Brady to wins, Gurley would have been your MVP, followed by wins. Well, I mean, didn't didn't Los Angeles finish with the same amount of wins as New England yes, at twelve four? Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the argument can be made there. The issue for Gurley, I think, is that as good of a running back as Gurley is, I think a lot of the credit for what the for the Rams did this year went to Jarrett Goff. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Jared Goff and the improved offense that really helped Gurley flourish. And the improved overall team. So I'm, I don't. I'm not knocking your pick. Can't throw the ball. I agree with that. I'm not knocking your pick at all. Gurley's an excellent selection. If I'm not mistaken, didn't he finish runner-up in the NFL vote as well? Uh, yes, he finished uh, runner-up in the NFL vote, and he did actually win the uh, NFL voting as offensive player of the year, which you know goes hand in hand with my MVP selection. So I knocked two awards out in one. All right, I'm going to circle back around, and I'm going to go next here because one of my, my my vote for offensive player of the year has already been mentioned tonight. And the only thing that kept him from getting MVP for me, the same way as he did from somebody else, is the fact that with three games left in the regular season, he tore his ACL. My offensive player of the year is Carson Wentz. I can respect that. Mm-hmm. Wentz had a great. I mean, Wentz had a great season. I yeah. mean, he was my he was my runner up in both categories. He would have been Brady, MVP. Brady was he would have been MVP for me if it wasn't for the injury, probably. Yeah. Eric, that, or excuse me, Brandon. That brings me back to you for offensive player of the year. My offensive player of the year, I will go. I will go with a man that you already mentioned, Tom Brady. Tom Brady had the most passing yards. I believe he also had the most touchdowns in the league this year, and he just had a great season leading the Patriots at 40 to another Super Bowl, uh, albeit runner-up, but to another Super Bowl. He had the least amount of high fives, though. Well, yeah. (laughs) Eric, Offensive Player of the Year. Oh, Tom Brady, high five. <laughs> I need to do some better work on a voodoo doll, but that's neither here nor there. I honestly had a couple of candidates for offensive player of the year. One who was very much in the running, although he played even fewer games than Carson Wentz because of a nasty similar injury. I'm thinking to myself, guy coming in, bit of a journeyman, bit of a backup. Everybody told him he was a, kind of a system quarterback. I agreed. Then he comes in and, uh, hey, don't you know? Yeah, he's a big-time deal for us. We got to keep him here. I got to hand it to Case Keenum. With how he handled that Minnesota offense and made them, you know, relevant and competitive. Yeah, I, I'm throwing him a bone, Offensive Player of the Year. Especially uh, with can, how he had to come that. in. Especially with how he had to come in, like, right, you know, in the, not quite the middle of the season, but, you know, relatively early on in the season. Yeah, and, and, and the fact they lost their, you know, their stud running back that they had high, very high hopes in when Cook went down. Mm-hmm. And they had to lean on, uh, basically, a uh, two-back committee of, uh, you know, of people that have never rushed with potential that, Everyone has given them. So, I mean, you'll hear no argument with or debate with me about you picking. Kane. Yeah, Case Keenum's an excellent selection here. Um, real quick, Brandon, in regards to your comment about Brady leading the league in touchdown passes this year, Brady was actually third. Oh, okay. Rus- Russell Wilson with 34, Carson Wentz with 33, Brady had 32. Oh, okay. Uh, 
So suck it, Tom Brady. <laughs> and honestly, if the Seahawks had done a little bit better, I would have proudly had Russell Wilson as offensive player of the year because he pretty much was the entire Seahawks offense. But, oh, that my heart just like, no, no, I couldn't do it. And the fact that he spent a year as a Badger, that really hurt in my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, you still have your whole vendetta against the Badgers because of what they did to you in the Orange Bowl. Oh, yes. And anybody <laughs> who knows me and also listens to soccer to the max knows I hold vendettas for a long time. I'm just now comfortable with eating a Danish. Hey, you, you and Harry have something in common because I'm sure Harry doesn't like Res Russell Wilson anymore for uh, other sport reasons. I, I don't hate the Yankees that much, Brandon. Get over yourself. Certainly seems like you do. <laughs> Anywho, let's move over to Defensive Player of the Year. Eric? Now, see, I was very, very tempted to go very, very inspirational with my Defensive Player of the Year especially because it ties into some of our other awards. But in thinking to myself, really, really, I know I'm going to be a homer with this pick, but with how my team did, I would feel so dirty if I did not put the mayor of Saxonville still on my list. Yes, the playoffs didn't work out incredibly well. Yes, some guys wearing black and white contributed to that. But I'm not that bitter. At least not now. With Calais Campbell, and please, I beg of you, for the love of God, stay here another couple of seasons. We're that close. I'm saying this and you are my defensive player of the year in part because of that. Please. Ironically enough, Eric, your defensive player of the year was tied for second in the NFL in sacks. Mm-hmm. With the man that I'm choosing as my defensive player of the year, Dallas Cowboy defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence. It was a down season in Dallas this year. I don't think anyone can make the argument about that otherwise. Specifically, our former producer who has moved on to greener pastures, I suppose. Who knows? Maybe we'll still get Sean to contribute every now and then if need be. It was not a down season for Demarcus Lawrence. 14 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, two fumbles recovered, 58 tackles on the season for Demarcus. And arguably the best part of that Dallas Cowboy team this year, who, as many of you will agree with me with, completely underperformed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And now we go to the resident giant, one of the two resident Giants fans here, Jason Teasley. Yeah, I was just going to say, who are you about to talk about? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to go Eli Apple. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, I was no, just no, going to say, no, even I'm yeah. not that much of a homer. No, uh, I'm going to actually agree with Eric and go with Campbell, the mayor of Saxonville. I mean, he had an outstanding season. He was the anchor of the defense. Uh, the only person that I think that may even 
be brought up in my conversation because I went back and forth between him and Aaron Donald from L.A. Uh, but I think I'm going to give it. To, I think I went with Campbell simply because of being such a dominant force in the success of that team and that defense. So I'm going to have to side with my boy Eric and go with Campbell. Uh, Aaron Donald finished tied for 11th in sacks in the NFL this year with 11, ironically enough. (laughs) The NFL, NFL, real quick, the NFL leader in sacks this year. Eric, if I were to ask you who led the NFL in sacks this year, what would your guess be? My guess? I'm trying to remember his name, but I don't know because he actually came from Arizona. Chandler Jones with 17. Wow. Really? Yes. I, I saw that when I was looking at the final defensive stats on the in the NFL this year, and I'm like, well, son of a bitch. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that one. But see, this also shows the wisdom of Ginger Domus and making the right decision for his pick. <laughs> Brandon, who you got for defensive MVP? Looks like or, you're... Defensive player of the year, excuse me. Looks like you're going to be the odd man out, Harry, because I am also going with Calais Campbell. Calais. Calais, whatever. (laughs) You are not a reign supreme, people. You can't ignore it. You can't fight it. Well, you know what? I'm going to say, too, that maybe part of that is me being biased against the fact that Jacksonville knocked us out of the (laughs) play. Yeah, you're holding a bit of a grudge yourself. To be fair, my team won more than three games this year. Yeah, shut your mouth. Fair, ten to three. (laughs) (laughs) We scored three points, but we won more than three games. (laughs) To be fair, we're being Pittsburgh Steelers and Dallas Cowboy fans and live in the past. Well, there's no more NFL to live in this season, so I have to I have to hang my hat on forward. If you if you spend your life looking in the rearview mirror, you will miss what is to come. But, but the but oh great ginger Damas, I must remind you the Jaguars beat the Steelers in their path of success. <laughs> I found that boring they won in the seventies. True. I, I, I will say this much. I love you guys almost as much as I love Andy Dalton. <laughs> well, did you, did you, breaking news. I did tell you guys about this, right? The Steelers and Cowboys signed a lucrative TV deal with the History Channel. <laughs> I've seen that joke before and it gets me every time we move on Jason and you're going to start us off with this one rookie of the year I mean is there any question about this I mean there is to uh, me but yeah, I would say something of a home I mean I'm going with Kamari I mean the kid lit it up in that offense in New Orleans and just exploded out of nowhere. I mean, unless you actually done research, a lot of people, you know, was giving that offense and that RB one to Ingram and Kamari was like, nah, yeah, about that. (laughs) He had very little fanfare to what I seen. Everybody was talking about, you know, Fournette this, Fournette that. But he became he, he became the must sought after 
fantasy player because <laughs> Hunt, Hunt, Hunt vanished. Hunt out. I don't know if I can agree with that. I, I would argue that if you look at the two of them side by side, the more impressive overall statistic year goes to Kareem Hunt. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. But Hunt that, be, that being said, I do think that Kamara meant more to the Saints than Hunt meant to the Chiefs. Yeah. Because, I mean, Hunt would have great games and then vanish. That's fair. Well, Kamara was consistent. That's why I'm giving him the nod over Hunt because of the consistency level. Because anybody can break out for one game and vanish. It takes a lot to be a consistent player in game in, game out in the NFL. So my vote goes to Kamari. Brandon. Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points, Jason, uh, but I'm going to go with Hunt just purely based on the numbers. Yes, he didn't have as good of a second half as he did the first half, but he still did well enough to be the top rushing running back in the entire league this season. So, you know, he didn't vanish that much in the second half. Well, Uh, you have Andy Reid calling plays and a game manager and Alex Smith, your running backs are going to get more opportunities. Oh, yes, I agree with you. I mean, any, you know, any running back, it it heavily, I mean, any player in general, um, but especially the running back, relies heavily upon the system that he's in. If you had, if, you know, that is the one thing that made Kamara's rise so shocking is because... Uh, the Saints have been known for years to be such a pass-heavy team. Um, And now he comes out of nowhere and is one of the top running backs in the league. But I think still, um, you know, just based on the numbers and the fact that, uh, you know, between Hunt and and, uh, Alex Smith, they just brought the... the Chiefs seemingly out of obscurity into, you know, right off the bat, after week one, everyone was talking, oh my god, you know, are the Chiefs for real? You know, yes, they dropped off a little bit at the end of the season, and they had a rough time at the end against the Titans in the wild card game, but, you know, they still had a very good season, and Hunt, without Hunt, they would not have had the season that they had. Eric? I have to agree. 1,327 yards is 1,327 yards. And I admit, Alan Kamara, he was a beast, and he really provided a lot of extra depth and nuance to the Saints offense. Christian McCaffrey, my one of my early candidates and guys to watch for, he started to do the same thing and came on late for the Panthers in that same way. But the entire Chiefs as a team dropped off. Alex Smith, who went from capable quarterback to game manager and kind of back again, he dropped off too. Now, what does that say about the Chiefs as a team? It says a lot of things. But still, the fact to come in in somewhat elevated expectations, because let's face it, Kansas City was always one of those teams considered to compete for the AFC West this year, which they eventually won 
And to put up those kinds of numbers at nearly five yards a carry, that works for me. I'm going to be a contrarian here. Shocker. I'm not going to pick an offensive player at all for my rookie of the year. Does anybody recall just a few moments ago when I said to when I said to Jason, yeah, my pick's different, but that's because <laughs> I'm something of a homer. Oh. Yep. I give you this stat line for a rookie. 53 individual tackles, 16 team tackles, 69 total tackles, giggity. <laughs> 18 passes defended with four interceptions for a return total of 86 yards. One forced fumble, two fumbles recovered, one of which returned for a touchdown. My rookie of the year, and as I said, this is admittedly a bit of a homer pick, is Buffalo Bills cornerback, Tredavis White. Okay. Homerism approved for that one. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, I mean, help that defense. He also, he also led the, he also led the league in bitch moves created by Rob Gronkowski too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to throw out a question. If Watson stayed healthy, does he take it the weight at the level he was playing? Yes. Uh, Deshaun, absolutely. I think so. I think that you All can right. make the argument that Deshaun was doing more for Houston than Hunt was doing for Kansas City or Camaro ended up doing for New Orleans. Yeah, but the surprise, the, the surprise rookie that I had that came out of nowhere, I mean, he just came out of nowhere and he became – the wide receiver, too, is Juju. I mean, he filled a void that Steelers had and put up some pretty good stat lines. I mean, he's not going to get – he was in my top five. But, I mean, he, he came on late, came on about midseason, and started putting up some solid stat lines. And I think he's going to be a legit receiver going forward. I don't think he's going to be an elite receiver. This is the biggest compliment that I can pay to Juju Schuster-Smith. He has made Martavis Bryant expendable in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that he's. I was going to say that he's found his bicycle. <laughs> Didn't he finally have his license now? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he did get his bicycle back, so he's got that going for him as well. Yeah, he got he got his bike back, and he avoided the trap that was Mia Khalifa. So that's a double win for him. Porn stars every time. <laughs> Well, of course, this is Eric we're talking to. Not to mention yeah. that was a relevant story at that time, and she has a track record. I'm not arguing. I still think it's kind of funny. That's all. Look, when you have the week that I have, you've got certain things on the mind, okay? <laughs> this episode of Point of View were brought to you by <laughs> All right, with that being said, let's move on, shall we? Let's do it. I'm going to go first here. (laughs) Our next category is Most Improved Player of the Year. And we kind of talked about him earlier in the show. 
We didn't talk about him a lot earlier in the show, but it ties into Jason's pick for MVP. Is there a player in anybody's opinion, and I, obviously you guys are going to give your predictions as well, but tell me if, I'm, if you think I'm wrong here. Is there a... Uh, uh, okay. Is, we, is, is there silence? <laughs> tell me if you guys disagree with this here, because it kind of ties into Jason's pick for MVP as well. Year to year, is there a quarterback possibly in NFL history that has improved as much as Jarrett Goff did this year in Los Angeles? Not even close. No, I'm, that's who I had my – that was my pick as well. 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a quarterback rating of 100.5 with 3,800 yards passing here. And the Los Angeles Rams in a division where the – Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks both play were the NFC West champions this year. This could be the beginning of big things in a new city for the Rams. And Jarrett Goff is going to be one of the guys that leads the way for that franchise. Yeah. Jason, you, you agreed with me? Yeah, I, I'm, I was picking. I was a, mine was a toss up between Goff and um, Keenum, but I want to save Keenum for a little bit later. So I went with golf because, I mean, he's young. He had a bounce-back season. I feel that if he gets a true top wide receiver, which there's a lot of I'm, – I'm seeing a lot going to be available. If he gets a true top wide receiver one, that team's going to be scary. I mean, they got a great defense. I mean, well, they've got a, a, the upper-tier defense, should I say. Uh, golf is finally coming into his own, finding his stride. Gurley found his mojo again. And, I mean, Robert Woods was came out of nowhere and actually started producing once he left Buffalo. Surprise. Yeah, not only Robert Woods, but you can make the argument for Sammy Watkins showing up as well in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, but Watkins still was trying to acclimate to that offense, I feel. He didn't really perform to his level yet, and I don't see Sammy Watkins as a wide receiver one. I see him as, I see him as a, a, a one B. He's not going to be the guy, but he's going to be a great complementary piece in a passing offense. So if they if they can get a legitimate threat, and Watkins can get get that offense down like we know he has the ability to do and he's got the he's got the gifts but i think with golf at the helm there's going to be a lot of lot of happy people going forward that are rams fans eric that takes me to you who's your most improved player of the year i actually was going to go slightly homer again but you can't argue the results and Imagine this, with golf, with that offense in in the Rams' rightful home, not just New City, but rightful place of residence, Los Angeles, and what could be going on and developing in San Francisco? How, how many times have we ever had to say that the Rams' Niners 
potential the NorCal SoCal rivals, that could be one of the hottest tickets in the NFL for years to come. I'm just throwing that out in the universe. (laughs) So you're going with golf as well then? Uh, Yes, I'm going with golf. Todd Gurley said it best. And whoever it was also said it. They were loved. In 16, they were running a high school offense. Goff, coming straight out of Cal Berkeley, who finished his career with a 1-11 season, or had a 1-11 season mixed in there. So he had already been beat to crap. Came in the league, had to adjust and struggle and get beat more to crap. He's finally given an offensive guru and say, hey, this is how we're going to run things. But instead of being trigger happy or scared or just panicky, he settled in. It's like, okay, this is how things should work. Boom, done. Brandon? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to be a little contrarian to all of you guys, and there is one key reason for it. Jared, I'm going to stick with the same team, but different player. Jared Goff only played half of the, less than half of the season in 2016. So you didn't really get the full picture with him. So you can't really say, I mean, yes, he improved, but I don't think he really qualifies as that most improved player. His running back, on the other hand, played the whole season in 2016 and only uh, rushed for a little under 900 yards. The next season, this past season, he rushes for 1,300 and more than doubles his TD totals. And not only that, he more than doubles his passing threat and scores six touchdowns as compared to none in the last two seasons. Todd Gurley, most improved player. I would make the argument as far as Gurley is your most improved, though, that Gurley's always had the potential, whereas mm-hmm. Goff was looked at as possibly somebody that could be considered, if he hadn't stepped up his game the way that he had this year, Goff was going to be somebody that could be looked at as almost like the next coming of Ryan Leaf. Oh, I'll, I'll agree yeah. with Ouch. that. I'll agree with that, but, you know, the fact that Gurley showed, you know, you you mentioned he has the potential, but we hadn't seen it until this year. Georgia running backs tend to be very hit and miss in the NFL as well. Yeah, exactly. Which makes me kind of nervous if I'm a if I'm an NFL team to draft either uh, Chubb or um, Sonny Michelle. I think Chubb will be fine. We'll talk draft a little bit closer to April when we make our return for the draft conversation. In addition, they'll be talking draft over on fantasy football to the max when that launches as well. Uh, Eric, Second. can I throw another name out you as an honorable mention for me for most improved player of the year? Oh. For me, most improved, this would have been another one, something of a homer pick because over the last few games of the season, he was really playing for his job. And I think even though the season, again, didn't end the best, I think he did enough to keep it. Blake Bortles, 
He cut down on the interceptions tremendously. Plus, look at the drives that he had against Pittsburgh, against New England, both in the playoffs, and even in the regular season, how he performed in what was a must-win situation against Seattle. He's finally taking the mantle and is starting to step up more and lead this team and lead this offense. Now, I think there could be a little bit of competition brought in for him, but Blake Bortles has finally turned a corner, and we're seeing more of what he did at UCF rather than the second coming of Blaine Gabbard. Everybody else gave a second option for their most improved player of the year. I actually had somebody else in mind as well, somebody who had a good season last year, but then this year established himself as one of the elite receivers in the NFL. I would make the argument to me that just as important in his progression as Jarrett Goff in Los Angeles was, <coughs> excuse me, is Adam Thielen in Minnesota. Mm. Uh, I, I can see that. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't think that would carry too much of an argument. <coughs> Sorry, I'm having an issue. Yeah, I'm having your lungs are disagreeing with you, obviously. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Having a little bit of a coughing spell. I'm good. Um, regards to Thielen, though, if you did, I mean, we saw flashes of brilliance last year. But it, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the final statistics for yards by receivers in the NFL this year. Um, Jason, are you ready for the top five? Well, top five. Sure, we'll go top five. Antonio Brown. Julio Jones. Okay. Keenan Allen. DeAndre Hopkins. Adam Thieline. One of those names is not like the others. Well, to be fair to that, I mean, not taking anything away from Thieline, but um, there were a good few top wide receivers who were injured this season. Giant Homer. Hey, don't, don't uh, I wasn't going to throw that out there. Injuries are part of the game. I'm just saying, if you'd have told me at the end, at the start of the season that Thielen would be a top five wide receiver in the NFL in terms of yards receiving, I'd have called you a liar. Oh, yeah, of course. I'd called you more than a liar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something with an F and an idiot afterwards? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or a loony. To put it mildly, yeah, I would have thrown in a few of those. <laughs> I right. just like the fact that you tried to throw the softball out and I didn't hit it. Well, I was going to read them off regardless of who I pitched it to, but I, I wanted no, to no. use... I used when you said one of these is not like the other. Oh. <laughs> Anywho, moving <laughs> on. Not going off the rails this week. Not nope. going off the rails. All right, let's move on, shall we? And let's go to coach of the year. And to me, I'm going to go first here because to me, this is the very first time that I'm going to give this award to a college person. Yes, Brandon, you're welcome. My coli- my coach of the year in football for 2017-18 is the now Nebraska-bound Scott Frost. 
mm-hmm. after taking yeah. the University of Central Florida to a 14 and 0 record, including a win over Auburn in a BCS bowl game. As we talked about during the course of the season, though, there's no money in Group of Five football. Not well, right con- now. Considering so, how they are the football bowl subdivision, non-college football playoff national champions, give it time. Then we're making license plates for them. I say no more. We'll see how things go moving forward. That being said, though, to to give you an idea of where the group of five fall in the college football landscape, they awarded themselves a national title, but Scott Frost is off to Nebraska. Well, of course, because like Eric said, you know, there's no... At this point in time, because you don't have any real chance of going to the quote-unquote real college football playoff... Of course they're going to leave. That's a foregone conclusion. And in that, in coaches, they want to step up, especially when money's involved. This happened all the time. And even when Jimmy Johnson left the U to go coach the Cowboys, everybody understood. Yeah. This is just unfortunately how the landscape works. If something's bigger, better and they're driving an armored truck your way, of course you're going to let them in. All right, Eric, why don't you expand upon your thought with your coach of the year? Well, my coach of the year... See, when we were doing Most Improved, I was going to look at this as a Most Improved team. But although the pasture wasn't bigger... It wasn't better. It certainly looked nicer. And thanks to a former co-host, it inspired a wonderful segment on this show. (laughs) In his absence, I'm going to throw him probably what this will be the one last bone. May he continue to win and tweet away. My coach of the year one Lane Kiffin. <laughs> you, you can't you. Work with a guy that turned a team that went a combined six and eighteen to undefeated in conference camp bowl. I mean, hey, he knew what he was doing even before we did. Uh, and to be fair, as an added bonus, he did help uh, North Texas get bitch slapped, not just <laughs> once, but twice. twice. Jason, coach of the year. Um, I mean, I'm going to have to go with Doug Peterson. I mean, he got the Eagles their first Super Bowl. I mean, he won it without his franchise quarterback. And uh, we we know who took over for wins. Oh, big D Nick, um, and he led a Philadelphia Eagles team against 
the dynasty Patriots and pulled off a victory. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm definitely going with Peterson from Philadelphia Eagles. Ginger it's hard to argue Stokes. Peterson. He was my he was my midseason award winner, so it's hard to argue Peterson. Yeah, the only people that would argue against Doug Peterson is Vegas. I wonder how much of a hit they took on that game. <laughs> Um, well, if I recall correctly, and I think we talked about this during our Super Bowl, sh- our Super Bowl preview show, not our Super Bowl wrap up. I'll recommend the preview show, the wrap up. Well, we did mention the fact that there were five million dollar bets placed on the Super Bowl and four of them were placed on the Eagles. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Brandon, you wrap us up for coach. Uh, I mean, I I like a lot of your choices, um, but I'm going to go with the kind of more obvious choice, and I think the one that was actually voted for uh, officially for Coach of the Year in the NFL, Sean McVay. I mean, he took the Rams. We talked about uh, both Gurley and... Uh, and uh, oh, wow, I'm drawing a blank now. Golf. Yes, golf. Jerry Goff. Um, you know, we talked about how both of them improved so much from last year to this year, and I think a lot of the credit has to go to Sean McVay on that. Uh, so I'm going to give him Coach of the Year this year. I mean, I wanted to go Ben McAdoo. Oh, God, no. <laughs> because without Ben McAdoo, we could have not got rid of Jerry Reese. <laughs> I, I I still say stepped in McAdoo next year would have been gold. It would have been if only he had gotten a hire as a head coach. But then again, considering how much he sucked in New York, who in their right mind coughed Brown? Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland uh, <laughs> would have been stupid enough to hire him as one. Cleveland, I wish they would have. <laughs> As much as I love Hugh Jackson, give Cleveland time. They'll give us that gift eventually. They're giving Hugh Jackson another season. They go 0-16 again next year because we all know they're probably going to. <laughs> no, I think, I think they'll finish. I'll, I'll say they'll finish third in their division. Well, I mean, Cincinnati's going to suck now that they're keeping Marv, so... Look, I want them to go 0-16 again because Cleveland, I will give you another chance. If you have another 0-16 parade, I haven't forgotten. I'll still be Grand Marshal. Again, I will be willing to fly to Cleveland in winter. Okay? Not many people would say that. I live in Northeast Ohio, and even I think you're an asshole for that. <laughs> Can I drive the car? <laughs> Absolutely. You, you have more experience, and you know the can, client can we, better. So, okay. Can we? Can we? Can we just play on a loop, Snoop Dogg, going bow wow wow? <laughs> I'm going to try to reel this thing back in. Let's go ahead and continue with the words. Let's go with shocking 
a shock of the year here. And by shock, it could be anything ranging from a football game final score that surprised you to somebody in particular's performance that surprised you to any of a number of different things here. It's kind of open to interpretation here. Brandon, I'm going to go first here, but I'm going to go back to something you said earlier in the year in kind of a throwaway line. Okay. Do you remember the throwaway line of, you know what wouldn't surprise me? And what if would... Troy goes to LSU oh, yes. Tigers. Yeah, I know. I'm disappointed that I actually didn't use that as my uh, Are You Serious for that week. My shocking moment of the year is exactly that. When little regarded Troy of the Sun Belt, yes, an actual conference name. Also a to... uh, decent college baseball league. Selfless when... plug right there. Went to Death Valley and not only hung with the LSU Tigers, who ended up in the final regular season top 25, but beat the LSU Tigers 24-21. Oh, that was just priceless to me. So very, very priceless. Brandon? Shock of the year. My shock of the year, and you're going to be shocked that I'm not saying this, although I'm going to use... I, I was thinking that that my moment of the year was going to be my shock of the year, and I was going to use a wrestling term, which I'm still going to do later, even though it's not going to make sense. But um, my shock of the year for this year is the Eagles with a backup Nick Foles after losing their golden boy Carson Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz running the table in the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. Including essentially a road game in the NFC Championship. Yeah. Or not in the NFC Championship. Essentially a road game in the Super Bowl having to go to Minnesota after just beating them. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say. It's like, oh. I protected myself there. (laughs) Jason, shock of the year. How crappy my New York Giants did and how long they stuck with McDoodoo as coach. That that's actually I a mean, pretty good one. I yeah, mean I can argue that. They 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 were picked they were people were picking him to run the NFC East. I think I three of the four of us picked the Giants to win the NFC East on this panel. There was talks there was talk that they might be Super Bowl contenders. Yep. And then and then the then the opening kickoff. Mm-hmm. And, and just the season went nowhere. I mean that that I that was utterly shocking to me. I, I'm still uh, well, I think the bigger shock to me, I think if if I wanted to go to one specific moment, the shock of the year for the Giant for me was was Matt well was Mara and Reese not firing uh, firing McAdoo as soon as he thought of the brilliantly boneheaded decision to bench Eli Manning? Yeah, I was including that, and you rudely interrupted me, sir. Sorry, I'm gonna have to shank you with a toothbrush. <laughs> uh, I mean. From the injuries to the the benching, I mean, it was 
it was one shocking moment after another as a Giants fan. And you, I mean, Sunday used to be the happiest day, <laughs> happiest day. And then I found out what it was like to be a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> and, and, and drinking bleach became an option and everything. And then, then I realized that I'm not a Browns fan. I'm a Giants fan. And we, we can win games when, you know, we just don't have a curse on us of Reese and McAdoo. And there will be brighter days. There is hope at the end of the tunnel. Unlike Cleveland Browns fans, there's only a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, well, it was Metallica and No Leaf Clover that said sometimes that light at the end of your tunnel is just a freight train coming your way. And that's Harry beating me to the punch, but he said it better, so I'll allow it. Eric, what's your shock of the year? Now, my shock of the year... If you look at the end result, it's not really a shock. But if you look at how it happened, specifically a sequence of about three plays, how things go down and a team wins a championship. Alabama, yes, your quarterback is struggling. So, like in normal teams, even in a pressure situation, you go to a last resort and make a quarterback change. Little did we know we would be introduced to, as a freshman, the all-new Flying Hawaiian. I mean, you take a god-awful, dreadful sack in overtime of the national championship game. Then you decide, oh, okay, yeah, whoops, my bad. Here, I'm just going to chuck it to a surprisingly open wide receiver. Oh, yeah, we won. Hey, that was my plan the whole time. Are you st- <laughs> That was just insane to me. I was like, I knew they were going to somehow win because Georgia and their emotions and the curse of Atlanta, whatever, you have it. But not like that. Not like that. Not like that. <laughs> kind of ironic that you mentioned this, Eric. You know Why? Why? Our next category is Comeback of the Year. Yeah. Care to guess what my game for Comeback of the Year was? Oh, a certain national championship game where another team blew a lead. (laughs) Alabama coming back from down two scores to Georgia in the second half and forcing overtime in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) Again, something with Atlanta. Something with games in Atlanta and teams from the surrounding Atlanta area. That's just flat out hoodoo. All right, Eric, why don't you go ahead and continue your tirade here with your comeback of the year? Now, while I had Florida Atlantic as my most improved, my comeback, it actually completes a comeback that's been a couple of years in the making. I mentioned Blake Bortles at UCF. His senior year, they won the American, went to the Fiesta Bowl, beat Baylor. Times were great. You were looking at a one-loss team. The year after he left, yes, they slipped a little bit, but they still finished tied atop the American Conference and were co-champs. 
Then the bottom fell out. They went winless. In comes your coach of the year, Scott Frost, and says, you know what? Guys like this, Shaquem Griffin, guys like this, this here, that here, I can make this work. So for the first time ever, a school goes from winless to undefeated in two years. Completely flipping tables all over the universe. That good, sirs, is a damn comeback. (laughs) You're not going to do that at Nebraska. I'm rooting for you to do that at Nebraska, but enjoy this moment now. Um, as a Penn State Nittany Lion fan for my secondary team in college football, I'm really rooting that he doesn't do that at Nebraska. <laughs> but it's it's hard to argue with the way that the Central Florida Bulls have turned that team around. Nights. Nights. Oh, yeah. Sorry. My mistake. South That's Florida USF. Bulls. Yes. Yeah, South Florida Bulls. My mistake. Yeah. I used to be really good at that, too. Brandon, who's your comeback of the year? My comeback. Or a player, or however you want to interpret it. My comeback of the year for this year is the Tennessee Titans in the wild card game coming back from down 21-3 to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City 22-21. Um, to our own MMA to the max is Robert Taylor. To borrow a line from Psych. Suck it, suck it, suck it. Come on, suck. (laughs) I am going to completely just shut up because (laughs) I made a promise. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) I'm teeing him up and you guys are just letting him go right by. All right. No, because then this would go into a story about how I spent half of my Wednesday. And this is the wrong show for that. Point of viewer, anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Jason, wrap us up for comeback. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Miracle. I mean, that was, I mean, Case Keenum threw the perfect pass. And, I mean, nobody gave Minnesota a chance in that game once uh, the Saints scored. So, I mean, it's... It's now erased the Music City miracle from our minds, and we have the Minnesota miracle. So I'm going to stick with that one. Music City miracle. Yeah, I had to. I had to sneak that in a twist the knife for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's because cool. you told me to behave tonight. That's cool. That was the. That was the only reason. Mm. That's going to bring us to our final category for our year-end awards. That's going to be our overall moment of the year. Gentlemen, if you don't mind, I'd like to go first here. As long as I can go last. My overall moment of the year, and this isn't going to be a surprise to anyone who has listened to this show all season... Eric, I take you back to week 17. <laughs> M&T Bank Stadium. Cincinnati has the ball. Yeah, I know. And Buffalo Bills fans everywhere 
lose their collective shit. (laughs) When Andy Dalton finds Tyler Boyd and the 17-year drought, the longest in professional sports, comes to an end. Why draw drop <laughs> when that happened? I was just like, well, shit. Okay. <laughs> All right. I can, I can tell you right now, I had three different neighbors talk to me the next day that said they could hear me yell once that play went for the distance. <laughs> now, keep this- in mind, going back to... Right before that moment in that game, the viewer naughty reigned supreme. I said, hey, watch out for those Bengals. If they know Marvin's just about out the door, they might actually show up and give a damn and do something. I have been a Bills fan for a very long time. I remember watching the aforementioned Music City Miracle on television and thinking, oh, it's okay. We still got a good team here. We we should be fine. Little did I know that would be our last playoff appearance for 17 seasons. (laughs) We lost 10-3 to Jacksonville. But I can tell you right now, you will not find a smile in this country bigger than the one that was on my face when that game in Baltimore went final in week 17. And I realized that the longest drought in professional sports was finally over. My moment of the year in football is Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd week 17 to help the Bengals beat the Ravens. And what I could finally say to Bills fans everywhere, with their team making the playoffs, welcome to the 21st century. Now we'll see what the draft holds for us, because apparently we're planning on trading up and getting the quarterback of the future. Uh-oh. Which I don't Uh-oh. get entirely, because, you know, while uh, Fitzpatrick, or excuse me, uh, Tyrod Taylor wasn't the greatest quarterback in the world. He was definitely serviceable this year. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying we let the new guy start next season. It's not like we throw him out there Cleveland style and let him rot on the <laughs> vine like Sean Kaiser did. <laughs> you still let Tyrod Taylor have the reins of this team here. You just get Nathan Peterman the fuck out of Buffalo. Yeah. Oh, de- oh, that I'll agree with you. They definitely need a new backup. Hey, I, hey, you can take Chad Henney off our hand. <laughs> you can beat me. Because, <laughs> I mean, you're still getting a good signal from T-Mobile. Why switch carriers now? <laughs> uh, no, we are not taking Chad Henney. Muck Fishigan, anywho. <laughs> but but hey, please, please, we don't need him. Please. <laughs> Eric, what's your moment of the year for football 2017-18? Oh, you know, the, the, the team, the apple of my eye, the special place in my heart, the one that actually inspired me and be able to play a rap song here as an opening intro on the episode of the kickoff. 
If I had to point to one singular moment to say, life is going to be good, things are going to be awesome, it is when, for the first time on the sidelines at a game with the University of Miami, there was a box. That box was opened. And outside of that box came the glory that is known as the turnover chain. Never before have I wanted a piece of jewelry so gaudy and ridiculous in my <laughs> entire life. And I still do. But I know now, with that turnover chain, while we are not there yet, we're on our way back. And we got that swag. Bucky. <clears throat> so what you're saying is your moment of the year is the reinvigoration of the University of Miami? Oh, you damn straight. Mm. Well, that's two two in terms of Homer picks, Brandon. <laughs> Mine, while not necessarily a Homer pick in terms of a team, it was glorious in terms of um and I, I said it before, this isn't a the shocker of the year. I thought it was going to, and I was gonna use this reference, uh, but I'm still gonna use it anyway, regardless. U- UCF went full undisputed era and chose to shock the system by beating Auburn in the Peach Bowl and hopefully sending a message to the NCAA to get their act together and make a real tournament. Went on the air, which is why I'm not surprised that my pick of Scott Frost as coach of the year didn't really surprise you all that much either. There, um, while I agree that there was a bit of a system shock based on what Central Florida did, I don't think it's going to be the kick in the seat of the pants that the NCAA oh, needs I know because this because I mean the NCAA Boise is more wasn't, the money TCU wasn't you know nothing is going to change it until. Either A, the NCAA, or B, the government steps in and says, this shit needs to end. Jason, you wrap us up. Your moment of the year in professional football for 20... In, well, in football in general, because it could be collegiate as well. For 2017-18. My moment of the year is when the kickoff brought to you the most electrifying free agent co-host this side of podcasting. <laughs> To replace a chair. <laughs> so yes, that is my moment of the year. Is when I join the staff of W2M and the kickoff, which will be bringing you the fantasy football to the max this coming March. <laughs> be there. And I'm dead. Thomas has spoken, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I- I, I have no words. I don't know how to follow that up, but I still got to wrap this show up. Um, I can't think of three simple letters, even though I have no words. You know what the you know what the bad thing about it is? I did not disappoint Eric when I sent him the message to say, "Just watch." <laughs> he sent me over. <laughs> I can't lie. Send me up. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. <laughs> Finally. Uh, never mind. Moving on. Um, I may have no words, but I do have three simple letters. U. 
S-A. To put this into perspective, the reason that we're doing kind of an abbreviated award show tonight is the gold medal women's hockey game is on, and all th- at least three of us, and maybe even all four, want to watch it. Yes, indeed. Hopefully the women can do what the men could not last night. Well, they're already a step better, the fact that they're playing for a medal. True. <laughs> Very true. Although, to be fair, I am proud of our men's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> completely outclassed in terms of overall athleticism, though. They gave the Czech Republic one hell of a game last night. Yeah, and even that down to the shootout, that goalie was just playing out of his head. Impressive, nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever. Coming soon to the W2M Network, hockey to the max. <laughs> <laughs> Is that mine and Eric's show? <laughs> hey, hey, you, you, you watch your whore mouth over there. Hockey's my sport. And mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, I thought you said I thought you said cocky to the max, oh, and I was God. like I was oh, like, well, now that is your show. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that is you and Eric. I'm not going to deny that at all. I was going to say, I, I'm pretty sure me and Eric are the two most cocky people on the network. <laughs> oh, only, it it, it only counts if you have Kid Rock's Cocky as your theme song for the show. <laughs> they say I'm cocky, and I say what? It ain't bragging, mother, if you back it up. <laughs> Ginger Damas has spoken. <laughs> Gentlemen, this was fun this year. Yes, it was. You know what? I'm going to be entirely honest with everybody here. We kind of discussed this at the start of the show. I'm going to remind everybody here. The kickoff started as an idea. Three hours later, it was a broadcast. Five months later, it has been some of the most fun I have ever had covering football in my entire life. Hopefully next year I'll have a little more positive things to talk about for my team. Because this year has been a disaster. All what I do you say is last week on the last kickoff was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if you haven't listened to the episode two weeks ago, the February 7th episode of the kickoff, to viewer discretion advised, but it's a fun ride if you can get through it. No, viewer discretion is advised. And I, as the viewer, say, you damn well better listen. (laughs) It was the, honestly, that was one of the most enjoyable times I've ever had on a podcast. And it was so needed. And I couldn't thank you guys enough for bringing me on to be part of the staff and being the fourth guy on this podcast. And going forward, trust me. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> oh, God. I can only imagine how the fantasy football podcast with you and me are going to be. Oh, it's going to be very giant-centric. Oh, that's for sure. That yeah. kind of goes without saying. That's, yeah, that pretty much goes without saying with two Giants fans on the on the show. But it's going to be very NFC-centric, too. Except for the yeah, Cowboys. But Cowboys the, the other three teams will be talking about how their players sucked. <laughs> no, just just one of those teams. You know, the Mostly one where... Mostly Sean the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Just, oh, just how, our hatred for the Cowboys. I, I know he probably Not won't, Sean. especially now with me being able to uh, record stuff. But I wish that he would produce for us on the, on those shows just so we can make fun of the Cowboys and have him have to listen to it. 
No, I'm going I'm to be very up those episodes, just in case. Well, I will say this. I do. I will not say, uh, I mean, if anybody has ever listened to my former podcast with Jesse Starcher called From the Cheap Seats, I, I refuse to say a certain team name because I'm very PC and I don't like that name. So, okay. the team from Washington. Yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. I thought you, I, I thought you meant Dallas. I don't want to say that name either. <laughs> I don't, but you know, they've got one relevant player. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed it this year on the show. I'm actually the same way. I don't use that name a lot. Oh, I mean, we really just, haven't just had to talk about them all that much this season anyway. That's so. Well, I mean, do they have any relevant players? Well, next year they will. <laughs> fantasy football? Next year they well, probably they, will. They kind of do. They made a trade for one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but will they be relevant? A quarterback well, is relevant. A quarterback is only as relevant as his receivers. And his offensive line. With that being said, Jim yeah, let's go ahead and put a nice tidy little bow on this, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah. Yes. All right. Real quick before we get out of here, guys, I want to give you one quick chance to get any final words on your off of your chest here. I'm going to go last here because I have something specific that I want to say before we wrap this up. Jason, you're the newest member of the panel. I'm going to start with you. Oh, well, I just would like to invite everybody for the aforementioned fantasy football podcast coming up, which we will probably be doing the third week of March. So as we iron everything out, uh, also, like I said, anybody that listens, I do do autographs for a small fee of like a nickel. Um, I do send, I do photo ops. You can sign me to your, you know, you can invite me over to eat pizza at your house and watch ball games with you. You know, only thing I ask is don't, don't buy cheap beer when you do. <laughs> That's all I ask. So, with that being said, like I said, guys, privilege of joining the team. Look forward to getting back in it. And the fantasy football cast is going to be off the chain. Brandon. Ginger <laughs> kind of stepped on his ginger domus there. My bad. Brandon? <laughs> uh, just... Uh, yeah, like uh, Jason said, be on the lookout for the Fantasy Football Podcast. It'll come up at the end of March. Um, and be sure, if you're a wrestling fan, to tune in to me torturing Harry every Tuesday night uh, for SmackDown Live and 205 Live and Mixed Match Challenge. Um, and moving forward for the next year, I'm just hoping that the Giants do a little bit better than they did this year. Yeah, Eric and, well, not so much Jason, because Jason's doing the fantasy football podcast with you. Eric's the lucky one here. He gets rid of your ass after tonight. (laughs) (laughs) For a whole, what, like three weeks until we get back? Until we come back with the draft preview, (laughs) pretty much. Um, Eric? I will say, it was a surprisingly good year for, for both of my main teams, and I just don't want to go into disappointment in 2018. My baseball team is going to do that enough to me as is. My <laughs> hockey team's on track to do that. So 
I'm going to need a little respite come August. But I will say, for all of you listening, come back next season because 2018. Hashtag Thomas and viewer naughty tonight. <laughs> My fortunately, my baseball team is looking like it's going to be dominant, and my hockey team is doing decently well. So, I have things to look forward to in other sports. Basketball. You see, you're hand, lucky to be getting rid of him, Eric. Yes, yes, oh, God, yes. I'm just hoping. My, my main concern right now is that my college basketball team actually ends up making March Madness after looking like they were a shoe in in the beginning of the season. Uh, my college basketball team's back in the top ten, so suck it, suck it, suck yeah, it. Come on, they, suck. my team was in the top twenty-five for like two whole months, and then they started sucking as soon as they got into Big East play. It started as a concept. Back in August, right towards the end of preseason football, the week after college football started. So I would actually say probably first week of September. Five and a half months later, and as I said before we got started into this particular segment here, some of the most fun I have ever had discussing football amongst friends. Brandon, Eric. Jason, it has been my pleasure being the host with you guys for this show. And I look forward to doing it all over again next August. Indeed. To everybody out there who gave us the chance, thank you for listening. And we can't wait to come back full time in August. Remember, we have our draft preview coming up in April. Our draft recap coming up in April, and then we once again start hitting the hardwood, or I guess the uh, the astroturf, <laughs> in August when season football starts. For the final time this year, for the 2017-18 NFL and NCAA football seasons, for Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, and Brandon Biscabing. My name is Harry Broadhurst, and you have been listening to The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We can't wait until August to be back with you.